Welcome to the Red Dove. We are women storytellers, and our stories center on Black women, activism, and mental health. I'm Liz, and tonight is part two of our interview series with Sharon Brown. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you have a chance, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review our show. Really helps spread the word. Without further ado, here is part two. We definitely are. I can relate to your experiences on the farm because I volunteer now at a horse farm with disabled riders. And my experience was very much the same of like people, because you know, that's an expensive sport to play, period. The clientele, like you said, is mostly white. So their interactions with other cultures, I could tell was very limited learning how to interact with others and just considering other cultures, even in conversation, the way they discuss certain things. I know there's been like two conversations about Juneteenth where I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'll step in here, you know. Do you want to share that's the, what did they say the first time? Did they not even know what it was? Okay, so last year, a lot of organizations in our area started to actually recognize Juneteenth and have bigger celebrations, especially in um, like the counties and stuff. And from the people that I was working with, they were kind of like, oh, well, there's no reason for us to really have it. You know, that was the position that they were taking. And what I, cause Liz, a lot of times like she's the bad cop and I'm the good cop. Cause I'm like, you know, Sharon, there's an <laughs> element of, being so institutionalized that you have to like continue to shake yourself out of like what the the system does to like automatically tell you to think a certain way you know and for them I was trying to explain to them and and going back to what I was saying I realized is that the whole idea of racism is truly just so ignorant, you know, like just ignorance at its best in thinking and and a lot of it being, even though it does exist globally, the American white racism that exists, it's like just the choice to not have any interest in learning about anything outside of self, you know? And that to me is the point where when I do have those conversations with people, it's like, that's the part that makes me feel like it's a um, it's a social and mental health dilemma of some sort. You know what I mean? But you know what's so sad? I was talking to someone, to someone about this yesterday, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so many people don't even realize that they're racist. Mm. So many people don't even, they like if you show them their behavior. Right. They don't even know it. Right. It's just like, and it could be the littlest thing as, especially when it comes to at a job, it could be the littlest thing as it could be two people in a room and I'll have experience. I have experience. I've been doing this for years. Someone that just came into the company because they are different color. They'll or like, so they won't pay sometimes a black person, the ideas any mind. Right. And they don't realize that they're doing this because the person is black. Right. 
Right. And like, I've had people, someone <laughs> told me that one of my supervisors at one time told um, somebody on the board that, oh, Sharon is different. She's not like us. And the board member came to me and they was like, what the hell does she mean by that? And the board member was white and she was more offended than I was. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what does she mean? What, what, why are you, you're a woman, we're women. You know, like you're the same age as we are. Like, why are you not like us? Right. Why? Because you black? Like, what? Right. how are you not like us? Right. You know, and, and but the person that said it to her, they didn't even realize what they said. Right. How offensive it was. Right. Yeah. And I think that that it like, no, I'm not going to say ignorant. I'm going to say that because I'm still processing the idea of unintentional. What What is it, Liz? Is unintentional racism or yeah. implicit bias? Imp- is it? Yeah, maybe implicit or, bias or, or uh, intention impact over intention. Like, I don't care what your intention was. Like, you have to understand that there, your impact was harmful. Right. And then there's like, you know, the conversation now that it's like, just like Sharon saying, some people really, and we can't get in their heads, so we don't know how true it is. But some people really don't understand the things that come out of their mouth. They don't even hear themselves. They don't have the ability to think about it from the other perspective to see that other side. But it's so interesting to me that that side can be so easily taken on and damaging. And then you have the other side of like the black person who is without question, like falling into the system without it, without seeing how it can be changed or like what, what really needs to occur. Right. So like, for example, I had, I've been looking for a a new job and I got one. Yay. But congratulations. Thanks. So along that path, this one of the ladies that was conducting like my reference checks said to this uh, one of my references, why is she looking for a job? And I thought that was so weird because I'm like, you're doing the microaggressions had like been like being applied throughout the entire interview. Like, for example, Sharon. She flaked on the first interview. She didn't even show up. <laughs> this is the person I, interviewing me. Mm-mm-mm. You know, and it's like, I think her idea was just that she was going to like make me already kind of be broken down to size in weird spaces and then yeah. bring me on with that understanding already, you know, imposed. Yeah. Yes. And you know, even like one of the things that stuck out with, cause I was, it was a teaching job that I was looking at was she, I went in for a um, day, a little meeting with the school and to go on a tour and spend time with the kids and do a demo, all those things. And I was there from eight to 12. Right. And at 12, I'm thinking anyone with common sense would be like, wow, this person hasn't eaten all day. If anything, right, like we're just going to the basic ability to still like function, not necessarily perform an interview. I should believe them. She was even like trying to press beyond that. Like, well, what other questions in a way where it's like, well, still, I'm not going to give you a space to relax. You still have to be at this super because, you know, we have to always show up more than what our counterparts, our white counterparts are demonstrating. Sorry. So. I just feel like 
in the event that I would have went in that space and being in that toxic environment and not being able to make a decision for myself to really show up in, in it, because I, I want to show up authentically who I am in all spaces. Like I'm tired of the idea of um, having to match or manipulate or modify myself to be comfortable in someone else's space or be accepted, right? Because that's also a relative word, like accepted in other people's spaces. But I was just saying to me, like, I think it's so interesting because both sides are so damaging, yet can be doing things without even knowing to a certain extent. I watched this movie the other day called, I think that was Gully. We're Mm going to do these movie reviews on here. Sharon, if you want to come back and do it with us, I think it would be awesome. There's two movies that I watched the other day. One was called Gully and shoot, I have to pull it up. But when I tell you that they were so deep and showing how, like one was about kids growing up in a challenging area in LA. And then the other one was about two black males in college who are in a a challenging situation where a white girl gets hurt. But they did a great job at highlighting the conversations that take place being a black person in America and being knowing that the light is going to be on you no matter what. And then really thinking about how you maneuver through that, what choices do you make and what happens, you know? It's, it's so crazy because I think back, I was at a job and I was at the job for five years and I, I got a new director. The very first day that she came in, I guess she heard about me and my personality before I even knew who she was. Mm-hmm. So everyone at this job loved me. Everyone, like, I didn't have any problems at the job. Everyone loved me, including the director that was going out. But seeing me, from the moment she saw me, my appearance intimidated her. Right. And she called me in the office, and she said, "Um, I know everyone loves you, but I'm cutting your budget. Like, just straight up, I'm cutting your budget. She was like, look, I'm an honest person. No, she was like, "Um, you don't know me, but I'm going to tell you now. I'm from New York, so I'm honest. Now, I didn't didn't get a word out of my mouth. So she didn't know I was from New York, too. But as soon as she said that, I I said, yes, so am I. I'm from New York also, and I'm also very honest. Why are you cutting my budget? And why are you attacking me? The very first moment you meet me. She was like, because I came in here to make changes. Okay, and I understand that. But did you talk to anyone else the way that you're talking to me right now? Right. My, as you said, my presence sometimes, some people love me. I I tell people all the time, if you know me, either you're going to love me a lot or you're going to hate me a lot. Because I have a very strong demeanor. I have a very strong presence. But it's something bigger than me. It's something, it's, it's something that was given to me, mm-hmm. a gift that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I had to, I used to minimize my aura or minimize who I was mm-hmm. because I didn't want to give off that impression. And I got to the point in life to where, especially when I really started getting into health and wellness, working on myself, working on my mind, my body and my soul. Mm-hmm. I started to realize that I'm not going to con- continue to dim my light to make other people comfortable mm-hmm. because I'm, this is who I am. 
Right. And if my light is making them uncomfortable, there's something that's inside of them, not something that's inside of me. And that's what a lot of people have to learn. And that's as a woman, as a man, and that's any color because some people have strong auras. Yeah. And and when you come around someone that has a weaker aura, they become intimidated. And if they have a status of power, they try to use that to make you feel less than what you are. Mm -hmm. But that's because of their own insecurities. That woman that did that interview with you, she was insecure before she even met you. It was probably because of your resume. Right. Your resume intimidated her before you even walked into the room. Right. That's why she didn't go to the first interview. And when you continue to come back and you continue to excel and she couldn't stop you from getting that position, that that intimidated her even more. Right. That's so so deep. And so unfortunately, that's something that you're going to have to deal with with that person from now on, unless until she gives just you a chance. And she stopped feeling insecure about who she is. It's true. Well, Sharon, I'm in a different space now. So I did not accept that job because what I'm doing is just like you talked about earlier on saying no. I am literally, I started saying no in my personal life. I want to say about a, a little over a year ago throughout COVID, the school district that I was working with they didn't really acknowledge that that was a global pandemic at all. The expectations were still ridiculous. It wasn't even consistent with what was possible. And during that time, I really started like becoming harassed. And then going on from there, they did something to affect my ability, like my consistent financial status, right? Um, they mess with that check. You know, when they mess with that check, <laughs> they start changing. You start looking at things exactly. differently. And I was talking to somebody and they were like, why would you work somewhere that you can't even, if the point of working is to get paid, why would you work somewhere where they're going to mess with your pay when you work? Like that, that doesn't even make any sense. So I was like, okay, that's true. So I just was like, no, and left that space. Then I was dealing with this guy we dated for a while. It just wasn't a match, evidently. And that was really one of my first times saying no in a relationship world. Because for me, like, I'm one of those people who I used to be. I'm not going to say I'm not one of these people. I used to be one of those people that, like, I love you out of it. I will love, I love and change you into a new person. You'll be a whole new. And we all know that's not realistic. So but, what ended but up that's happening, a woman thinks we hard. That's not, yes. it's not just you. Every woman feels that, because you see the potential. Right. You know, you want him to be better. So it's like, I can do this and I can do that. But that's so much pressure that we put on ourselves. Isn't it? As, <laughs> and it that is. brings us down because we put so much of ourselves into trying to change or better that man that we lose who we are. It's so true. So, so true. So I said and, no to that. And then I said, when this job situation happened, and I'm like, you know what? I'm about to go back into this world and I want to be able to feel comfortable. I do not want to go back with the stress that's already existing you know, all of that, and then make a choice to go into a space where I literally have to drag myself out of, you know, bed every morning. 
So I feel good about the idea of saying no and how I'm, it's showing up for me or I'm showing up for myself by saying no. What does saying no look like to you, Sharon? I I have a lot of people that depend on me. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot. I've always had a lot of people depend on me. I've, I was even my friends, most of my friends that, like I said, that we were in a gang together, we're still friends 30 years later. You know, we're, we're tight. We, I have one of my brothers that's coming to stay with me and about two weeks, he's coming to visit, you know? And so I had to, they would call me for everything. Somebody's sick. They would call me, Sharon would go running. Somebody has a birthday, Sharon go running. Someone gets into trouble, Sharon go running. Mm -hmm. And I had to move here. This is more, that's another reason why I moved here because Sharon can't run anymore because now I got to take a boat. Right. <laughs> right now you got to swim. <laughs> so so true. this helped me to say no because now I, I it's like, I, no matter what, we go two o'clock in the morning if you called me, I was there. And moving here, it was like everyone was mad because oh you so far the boat and this and about that and it was like okay this makes me happy right Even there makes me happy and it wasn't about my family it wasn't about everyone else for the first time in my life right you know I I had to do this for me and I knew that me coming here was going to put a a big block of water between right <laughs> me and my family me and my friends but I needed this for me to grow. Yeah, because I love I, that. You know, when you spend since nine years, nine years old, I started taking care of my little sisters and my cousins. Mm. And from nine years old, I've been grown ever since. Yeah. You know, and I've always taken care of my friends. I've always taken care of my family. I had children. I had a husband. And it's always been about everyone else. Mm-hmm. When I got sick, after I got sick and I started mm-hmm. getting better and I realized what made me sick was stress running every time somebody called me it right. was like okay you can't do this right. because when you end up in a hospital who's going to be there with you but your kids right and I can't do I couldn't do this to my kids I couldn't hurt my kids I couldn't get sick and leave my kids right right so I had to start saying no to my friends I had to start saying no to my family yeah you know and and it put wedges between me and a lot of my friends we're not as close as we were before right if I have to pay that price in order to have a peace of mind, then obviously our friendship wasn't that important to them anyway. Huh, I mean, huh, okay, so I'm going to jump in here because Liz is like, oh no, you struck a chord. So <laughs> I'm definitely, I have been that needy friend where it's like, you don't understand. You have not reached a level of maturity where you can res- you respect and uh, and know yourself so much that you can see when other people respect and know themselves and i think that at times it's really really when you're so out of whack it's hard to really cuz you don't know how to respect yourself so it's hard to show up and respect other people in with their decisions and what they want to do. I had a relationship similar to like friendship, like you're talking about where that person is like a very much a free spirit and does like traveling and doing different things. And for me at through a lot of the friendship, especially as adult women, I was trying to like 
latch on to that, those basically what it used to be. You know what I'm saying? And I had a really hard time, like this retrograde that just passed. No, not this one. The one at the top of the year. Liz was probably like, I, she, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think everybody was very much like, we got to check on her. Like, this was a hard one for me. Acknowledging that change, is, it finally clicked to me. Change is good and change is going to happen. And even when it doesn't seem good, there's a process of moving through it. So you're going to arrive at a different space, but you're always going to change. Like, even the way I brushed my teeth this morning, I didn't necessarily brush them the same way last night. Like, change happens. That's just a part of life. So I'm bringing that back to you and your friends and saying, like, I don't I don't want to give them that case that the, the relationship was not what it was. But maybe they haven't arrived yet and being able to get to the space of mental freedom because that you have arrived at. Because when you get there, it's like what I've learned for myself is I give myself room to like be myself and then make mistakes, whatever I might consider as mistakes. And I think that's, that's one of the major hurdles in life that people, cause it's easier to blame. It's easier to blame yourself for why you don't have this or why you don't have that. It's easier to blame other people for why you, you don't have your relationships or this or that or whatever. Things don't go well for you. But that part I think is like where the transition starts, you know? Yes, definitely. A lot of my friends, unfortunately, still haven't gotten to that point. Well, not a lot. That's a lie. Some of my friends, Mm -hmm. you know, still haven't gotten to that point. Some people still stuck. But that's that's just like, but we can't allow our friends and the people in our life, their mental illnesses, their their lack of understanding to control who we are or our lives. Yeah. That's not fair to us. And it's like, as long as we learn that balance, it, it's a lot easier for us, especially yeah. to sometimes let go. Yeah. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to let go yeah. for your own peace of mind. We have people in our lives that sometimes their mental illnesses become our mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when you got to take a step back. When you look at your relationship with that person and you see that every time they come around, you're feeling bad or every, you know, like it, it steals a part of yourself. It's taking energy away that mm-hmm. your, your whole energy is thrown off. Sometimes is you have to take a step back. Sometimes you can talk to the person, call and check on them every now and then. You don't have to just cut them out of your life. Right. But then once you see that every time they come, that's just who they are. You can love them from afar. Right. You know, I tell my friends all the time, I love you, but I don't got to be around you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I call and I check on them every now and then, but it's like, I'm not going to continue to let your negative energy make my energy negative. Right. Right. And if you, if you're my friend, you'll understand that. If you see that I continue to come out of my character every time I'm around you, and you can't respect the fact where you're something's wrong here and you're not trying to change that, then what's the point of us having a relationship? Yeah. Friendship or whatever. Mm-hmm.